What? What? <laughs> We're live. <laughs> live again? It's Groundhog's Day. Yay. <laughs> I feel like I just talked to you. Like minutes ago. So as always, full disclosure. <laughs> I have my phone on Do Not Disturb and I got a phone call and I was like, who the hell is calling me? Like, why are they calling me through Do Not Disturb? Because you have to manually do that and that's annoying. So when I like go to end it and I'm and shut up, shut up, shut up. And I was pressing the screen too many times. And as soon as that went away, my finger hit the end call button with Courtney. <laughs> But we were only five minutes in, so that's why I'm not tilted. I'm not angry about it. (laughs) So we weren't like deep into conversation. We were just kind of talking about little things and kind of talking about uh, what was going on. So, you know, let's start all over again. We were just doing our little warm up. That's all. Right. Little chatty, little chitty chatty. Yeah. A little conversation. Right. So you were telling us about uh, you were you were talking about your week and how uh, you know we're on these snow days and I was telling you that this is like day three of snow day and um, I'm going to be poor because I've not worked all week and same for you because you haven't worked all week oh, yeah. uh, but not just because of snow. So is this is this is crazy. I'm like cabin fever. I want to get out of the house. Like there's not even snow for me to build a snowman. And that's frustrating because it's just ice everywhere. And uh, I'm just frustrated. I want to get away. You're like those people that were like, we want haircuts during the pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I haven't worked since Wednesday of last week. I took a trip down to Midland with the boys, and then and then uh, I um, drove back. Which you, you made zero effort to see me. I did, only solely because we had, like, a whole schedule planned out, and I want to take another trip and actually, like, have time to spend with you. We spent a lot of time in Lubbock, actually. Um, okay. Golf, golfing and doing other things. <laughs> other things. Um, so <laughs> I was in Midland um, Thursday night and like Friday morning. I mean, I was in Lubbock until probably like Sunday around like, uh, probably about like right uh, around the time when the NFC Championship started. It was about when we got back. Watch that. Watched the AFC Championship game, stayed up late drinking, and then woke up Sunday and left. So, I woke up Monday and left. Uh, yeah. yeah, but um, I do have. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be seeing you real soon, Courtney. Okay, real right soon. Right on, right on. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> real soon. What? Just make sure it's it's uh you can't just pop up on me because you know I do have things on my calendar. Uh I am you'll an cancel involved person. You will no. cancel. Uh, you have not uh, seen sir, me since I left to Massachusetts. You know what? I haven't seen a lot of people, but that does not stop my calendar from being my calendar. I'm I'm top of the priority list over a lot of people. Yeah, you in your own mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Maybe in your world, but my calendar is my calendar. That's a little offensive, so, Courtney. Well, it's the truth. You can't just make yourself be priority in someone else's calendar. Especially <laughs> when they're telling you to give them some advance notice. So that, <laughs> and then you're just going like, no, you're just going to have to to clear everything. You're like, no, bitch, it don't work that way. <laughs> that is not how my calendar <laughs> 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 Knock on your front door like 11 a.m. on a Saturday. You wouldn't go get lunch with me. If my calendar permits it. Oh, my gosh. It might might be a situation where, like, okay, we're going to have to grab a quick bite because at 12.30, I have to be at this place and do this event. So, you know, it depends. It, It just depends. My calendar is my calendar. People will understand, like, oh, why didn't Courtney make this event? Oh, well, his better half is in town. You know, they're spending time together. They'll understand. Uh, uh, well, first off, they're going to be like, wait, Courtney has a better half? What the fuck is Courtney dating nowadays? <laughs> that's the that's question number one to that whole statement right there. Yeah, well, can you imagine the Midland Rumor Mill then? Right? <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. Who's he seeing? Mm-mm. Just let me tell you, when Courtney does finally start really dating someone, everybody gonna know it because he gonna be at everything. <laughs> I'm gonna have that bitch twirling and be like, hey, honey. I can't stand you. <laughs> everybody, this is my man. Mm-mm. My next relationship's gonna be completely private. No one's gonna know anything about anything. Oh, no. Hell no. People, that's what I don't want in my entire people, life. That's what, like, are you going to say what? Ruin good things that you have whenever they find out about stuff like that. It's too easy for other people to ruin it. I'm not saying I want to be closeted. I just, you know, me, that person, close family, friends, but like, I'm not going to be all over Instagram and all over Facebook and all over Snapchat. Oh, no. No, no, bitch. No. It's going to be Facebook official. It's going to be Snap. <laughs> Snapchat official. It's gonna be Instagram. <laughs> official. I it's might be the only dance ahead. official. Okay, you might even get me to TikTok just so that I can make it official. Get you the TikTok, <laughs> so I can make it TikTok official, David. It's like I finally have a man. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I'm gonna turn up six years later, married. You're gonna be like, what the? F-? Well, no, you would know about it, but people are gonna be like, what the okay. fuck? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> He's buried right. now. <laughs> yeah, well, I like, noticed he stopped wait. talking about the community for a while there. Right? <laughs> oh, man. The community was really missing him for a long time. How happened? We both know I'm gonna meet my future man off of one of my one night reviews. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's gonna be a customer. Right, a repeat customer. I gotta stop saying it like I'm paying. Like services are being paid. For. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> customer satisfaction guaranteed. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> hey, I mean it's the repeat customers. But see, that's the that's that is my issue. Like, if that's why, if that's how I met you. 
that's most likely not we are not going to be an item. No, we definitely can't be. <laughs> because you gotta be the most compatible there. Yeah. Just didn't see the worst. But if you imagine oh. imagine you like imagine you like met him. One of your events. And oh my god. And the texts are perfect and the phone calls are perfect and he takes you out to dinner and lunch and that's perfect. It's amazing. And you go on a couple dates and then like it's just everything seems perfect. And when you go and it's terrible. That ruins everything. <laughs> that ruins everything. So you gotta you gotta get out the way early and make sure that part of it's good and then you can figure the rest oh, out. God. No, that's if everything else is great, then that's a workaround. Oh no. For me, not. Because look, one thing that I have learned in long-term relationships is that eventually, at some point, you're not going to want to do that every day. (laughs) I know. I know it sounds funny. It sounds impossible. But trust me, at some point, it's going to be like, you know what? Get off me. (laughs) Get, Get off me. Go sleep on the damn couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's gonna do something stupid that you're gonna be like, you know what? I really hate you right now. Please leave. Please leave my sight. <laughs> and and you know, there are other aspects to a relationship. That's why, for sure. But if, but you know, if I actually want to know your name, it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> If you're no longer DL Bro 23 to me, then that means you're important. Yes, you're important. You, we, we've entered a new realm. <laughs> I need you to be careful. I need you to be careful about what you say. I'm trying to let like, make you president one day, right? So just. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to be the most honest president ever, <laughs> right? Because they're they're going to ask these questions, and I'll be like, "Hell yeah, I did this shit." <laughs> <laughs> You can call me. (laughs) Right? You can call the following people and they'll tell you I did that shit. Oh my God. I come come with references. That works. You're going to see an interview with Chef Willie, Mike? Mm -hmm, Yeah, he did that. (laughs) Uh He did that. He sure did. On camera one time. Yo, speaking of him, I was watching um, some of those MasterChef season twelve episodes the other day. Nice, yeah. Nice. Boy wasn't Chef too was... happy with the end of the results, but you know, I don't even know who won that season. I think Christian won, mm-hmm. and I didn't even like him. Like, I was pretty upset when Willie went home, but I was not liking Christian. And then when Christian won, I was like, "Oh, fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> I was not having it. <laughs> he seems to be a nice guy. Like I've gone into some of uh, Willie's streams um, on a different app, not the app that like how I met him, but a different app. And uh, uh, it was actually on Instagram, and they were they were like doing a share screen. They were both on, and and he seems like a nice enough guy. He seems he seems okay. He wasn't doing it for me. Every time Willie came on the screen, I was like, that's my friend. 
right? But yeah, after Willie got eliminated, I was just like, y'all don't even care. Screw all of this show. <laughs> screw all this food. I can't stand I you, uh, Ramsey. I don't want you. I don't even want to watch this no more. No, I didn't like Ramsey. I didn't like that bald dude. I can't remember his name, but he's a prick. Oh yeah, bald dude is a prick. He needs to get his ass whooped. Somebody just needs to take him in the alley one one time. He thinks just he's the Simon time. Cow of food of food. Like what the yes, yes. But I like he's when so Willie un- Willie made the occasion. I think it was Haddock or maybe it was Halibut with the cauliflower puree, and they were all like, "Holy shit, this is so good." And Willie was like, mm-hmm. and then I think Aron Sanchez was like, I didn't think that the cauliflower puree was necessary. And the look on Willie's face was like, well, I don't think you're necessary. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was cracking exactly. me up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mr. Ratliff, is it time? Let's get into it. Talk about what's on my mind. And what's on my mind has to do with me being stir crazy and I'm concerned about hours and just everything. Like, what's on my mind is what the hell is on the mind of the superintendent of schools for Midland Independent School District? Like, what is she going through? What is she thinking? And so frustrating. So, let me give you Monday. So it was already forecasted. Sunday, we knew that this was going to be a bad week. Everyone oh, yeah. could prepare for it. Like it was in every forecast that everyone, it's going to be icy conditions. It's going to be, you know, really bad on, on roads and driving conditions for the next week. Be prepared. So Monday comes along. You know, I wake up expecting to see some sort of a notification about at least a, uh, we're on a school delay and, you know, we're on a two-hour delay and, you know, uh, our, our school is canceled type of thing. No, none of that. So I'm up. I go to school. You know, I start driving about 7 to get to school. It's icy. Like, I'm already sliding around just getting to the stop sign, you know, at the corner of my street. Uh, get to school and everything, you know, there's a couple of cars already up there and waiting. But, like, as I'm going to school, it's just getting, feels like it's getting colder and the roads are getting slicker. And so uh, I look up and I notice, like, our crossing guard is not even there. So we don't even have a crossing guard. That's already the first sign of impending doom. Like, the roads are slick and we don't have a crossing guard. Okay, it's not not good signs. I would but not we be keep... standing out on those icy ass roads directing anybody if I was a <laughs> Facts, <laughs> facts. But this is their job. It's what they do. I mean, it's what they do. So, but anyway, so um, seven thirty comes around. Seven twenty five, we start to let the kids in. You know, a little bit early so they can get out of the cold. 7.30 bell rings, and we start opening the door. But all before this, like, I was making a cup of coffee so that after I do my outside duties, I'll have a nice little warm cup of coffee waiting for me on the inside. I'm talking to my best friend, uh, the headband director over in Odessa, and he's, he's like, pissed off. He's just like, 
why the F are we going to school? I just slid down my driveway. Like, this is so dangerous. Why are we going to school today? I said, look, I'm already here at school. I'm in my office. I already made it. So you're definitely preaching to the choir. But, yeah, it's pretty bad. I have no idea why we why we have school. And he was trying to make it. He was, you know, he was on speakerphone in his car calling. And I was just, you know, I told him, it was just like, well, you be careful. You know, have a good day. Try to make it, blah, blah, blah. So I go out, open the door for the kids. Kids are slowly coming in. Usually we go out to the cars and open the doors, you know, for the kids to come out. But our sidewalks and everything was so icy that mm. one teacher, like one of the teachers who had been there, she was just like, I'm not going out to those cars and busting my butt. And I, was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. I said, because I'm far too old to be trying to, to fall on anything. I said, I'm at that, <laughs> I'm at that break of hip age. I'm not at a, just a broken bone. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the break of hip age and I don't need that in my life right now. So <laughs> so I am definitely not going out there. So we're watching the kids, you know, struggle, just like just fall, boom, boom. As soon as, they, <laughs> as, soon as they're getting out of cars, they're just boom, busted ass, just right out the car doors. And we're just I would be cracking up. No, we were it was concerning. I would be cracking up. It was concerning it's not even like i just it's it's like a weird uh reaction i have when i see something that happened to someone my first initial reaction is to laugh and i don't know why it's really bad because mean that's no no an evil person when you first wow that's laugh at at people's misery no it's just like when people like laugh like 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 when people laugh or when people get scared or something it's just like or i mean when people like fall or people get scared or something so hilarious to me. I don't know why. See, that's awful. That is absolutely awful. I I always show concern, and then I laugh. Like I see, I laugh and you're... then I help. Oh no, I have to know that you're okay before I will laugh at you. Well, I guess I'm if just I know a mean it, evil person, Courtney. Mean evil person. Okay. Uh, and, and after after that, know that they're okay. Then I can laugh hysterically. But. Um, anyway, these kids are just busting ass left and right. Finally, our, our head custodian, he comes around with this big bucket of salt. He's throwing salt out. He don't want to step out on the ice too much his damn self. So he's just like projectile, just throwing this salt all over the sidewalks and everything. None of it is getting to the to the actual curb where the kids are first getting out. <laughs> so they're still getting out of their cars and busting ass. But once they get on the sidewalk and actually start coming to the building, they're okay because the salt is down. Well, we go. 7.45 is when the tardy bell rings. and That's the official start of our school day. It rings. You know, we still have a huge line because everyone's being really slow and, and, and taking their time. And I'm okay with that. Usually I'm the, I'm the, 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 uh, the uh, unloading Nazi out there and I'm telling people to hurry it's if the bells rang it's time to start school let's go let's go we're gonna shut the doors blah 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 but not today I was just like everybody take your time take your time please don't fall turn around don't drown all that all those kind of 
kind of things. Well, seven, about 7.50, a teacher comes out and says, I just got a notification from another school. The school is canceled today. I was just like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden we get, we get these emails from our principal saying school is canceled. Tell everyone to go home. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like half of our school has already arrived. These kids are inside the building. We still have another half trying to get out of their cars. So immediately it becomes reverse. So everybody that's trying to get out of their cars, we're just like yelling, get back in your cars, go home, school's canceled. We're turning kids away, trying to make sure that their parents, if their parents are still out there in a parking lot or somewhere, just no, school's canceled. We're sending them away. Go home, go home, go home. Um, we have buses that are still arriving, dropping off kids. They drop off kids and refuse to take them back after, you know, they get the word of the announcement. They were still dropping off kids a good 20 minutes after the announcement had been made. And they're (laughs) still dropping off kids. And we're just like, take these kids back. You have to take them home. They're just like, no, we've been instructed to come back to the bus barn immediately. And not to, you know, we're done. We're done with these kids. We're not driving anymore with kids. It's dangerous. So these kids who rode the bus to school had to have their parents drive up to the school to pick them up. Do you know how livid parents were? Oh, I can imagine. As it was, like the whole time they're dropping kids off all morning long, they're cussing me out and everybody else. They're just like, you know how fucking dangerous this is. We're we're uh, driving on these icy roads to get here, and and this is ridiculous. Why didn't y'all cancel school? I'm just like, I had I a I had to do the same thing, and b I don't make those decisions about when do we have school. That's right. way above my pay grade. I don't do I don't make that decision. I'm just a communication guy. So after I put out the communication that, hey, school is canceled, please come get your kids. Oh, man, they was extra pissed. So the the people who had skated down the road after driving on, after they dropped off their kids and had (laughs) to turn around and come back, oh, they were so mad. They (laughs) They were so angry. And I couldn't do anything, but I understand. I understand. I agree. I understand. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Safe. Please be safe. And that's all we could do. I mean, so finally, like hours, hours, we get the official email from the school, from the school district saying school's been canceled uh, because of icy weather conditions. Oh, wow. Uh, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Oh, really? You know, hours after the fact. And I'm just like, well, an explanation for why this decision is just being made would be really, really cool right now. It'd be really nice to have. But no, we didn't get that. We didn't get that explanation until even later when I guess all the communications people had to huddle and they had to, to, to troubleshoot their way out of this situation. Because I can already see, like, 
all of the communications team getting together and trying to wordsmith their way out of this situation because it looks horrible for the district to because this was happening at every single elementary school and they canceled just before high school started but all the people that were in extracurriculars those kids were already at school so even half the high school kids were already on campuses so by the time they made this 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 notice like the district was in full swing we were already in school and so uh when they finally put out the the justification it was well when we checked road conditions you know earlier that morning everything was fine it was okay to drive on uh-huh. But, condi- but conditions got progressively worse as the morning went on, and we felt like the right thing to do because it was it was projecting to be even worse by the time school released was to go ahead and cancel school. Then we uh-huh. understand that we understand that that for many school had already started, and for that we apologize. But we were doing the best that we could. Uh, to make the safest decision possible at the time. The safest decision possible would have been, hey, we're going to take the L if it's not a really bad snow day and we're not going to put you in this position in the first place. Right? Because, again, every forecast, it wasn't like some forecast had predicted it. Like, everything said it was going to be bad. There was nothing saying that, well, it might be okay or we might not get or we might get to uh, above freezing temperatures. No, no, nothing said that. So there was no reason to believe that it was going to be a nice, wonderful day. None. So, uh, yeah, so we, you know, after the fact, we're canceling school, having to make it back, shut it all down. And then that, then we go that whole day. And they said, but we will make a decision about tomorrow around noontime today. Noontime comes, we don't hear anything. <laughs> so everybody's just like, are you serious? We're going to have to go through this all over again tomorrow. And then about 5.30 p.m., um, they put out a release saying that uh, Tuesday, we're going to be on a two-hour delay. So uh, everything starts two hours after it normally would. Uh, buses are going to run two hours later. School starts two hours later. We're on a two-hour delay. And everybody's well like, okay, well, at least it's a delay. You know, we're not all up at the butt crack of dawn trying to get to where we're trying to get to. So at least we know that. You know, I communicated that through all the different mediums and channels because I do a lot of that for my campus. I do a lot of communication stuff. So uh, at 5.30 a.m., everyone, every employee of the district gets a phone call, gets a robocall saying that MISD has decided uh, due to, to, to increasingly dangerous weather conditions to cancel school today. School is going to be canceled for Tuesday, January 31st. So they Hell let us yeah. know this at so we're like, yay, they canceled school, but B, you calling us at 5.30 in the morning, bro? Like, 
y'all didn't couldn't have made this decision already. So I sent out all the notifications, do all that, and then I turned off every alarm and went right back to sleep. I was just like, Did you okay. throw your phone and do not disturb? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I would never do that. I vent this is the only like I didn't even know that this was a function until you told me about it way back like episode one or two. I didn't even know my phone could do this. Do not disturb gives me anxiety. Yeah, because I feel like I'm going to miss something important. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I never used Do Not Disturb like ever, ever. Uh, like I said, I didn't even know my phone could do that. So <laughs> this is <laughs> like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so Tuesday goes along. So um, Tuesday evening, they go ahead and make the decision for Wednesday. They just like, look, we're not even going to mess around with this. School is canceled on Wednesday. We'll let y'all know about Thursday later on. So they make the call about today. Today is Wednesday as we're recording this. They make the, the call about Wednesday on Tuesday, like Tuesday afternoon. And my theory is, is that our superintendent got her ass handed to her because everybody in the city was mad. And the thing is, is that and this is true for just about every school district, especially here in Midland. The school district is the largest employer in the, of the city in Midland, in the city. Like, so many jobs are reliant on MISD. And when MISD shuts down, that forces a lot of other hands. And so a lot of other hands, they really rely and wait on what is the district going to do because we have to act accordingly. Well, on Monday, when they delayed, you know, the the uh, the decision the way that they did, every other entity had to, to react to that. And so they were upset. Not, you know, it wasn't just the parents. It was other employers, other, you know, companies that rely on MISD's decision-making that were affected by that. And so I, I just feel like the superintendent just got her ass handed to her on that Monday. And so the honeymoon is definitely over. That's why she acted so quickly about today. Cause she was just like, I'm not, I'm tired of getting phone calls and we're just going to make this call now. So I am Stephanie Howard. More. Yes. She I'm is looking- the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Uh, I'm I'm just looking for a decision to be made about tomorrow um, here within the next couple of hours. And I think that we'll be on a two-hour delay. It's supposed to finally start uh, creeping above freezing so that these streets will thaw out. But I don't know how quickly that will happen, and I don't know if it will happen in enough time that a two-hour delay will, will solve, so. We'll see, but I got to get out of this house. I got to do something. I got <laughs> to get out. <laughs> I got to get out. She's giving me um, Urban Myers to the Jaguars vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very well, highly respected, very accomplished, very wide touted. And it's like, oh, she's going to come here and she's going to back to back weeks. I'm hearing questionable uh, leadership and judgment decisions made by her uh, with little to no explanation as to why or when an explanation is given. 
it's corny and just doesn't make sense. And you can tell it was just, and I don't know the leadership. I, I'm questioning the leadership two weeks to after hearing stories back to back weeks. I am starting to question uh, the leadership and judgment well, uh, of Miss Howard. And that's for good reason. And, um, you know, that you are your record. And so she is not really, you know, this is not the great way to start off a new tenure. And um, Odessa's, they did the exact same thing that we did. I mean, carbon copy, they're the same. And, it, and the thought has always been that they make these decisions together. And so uh, the two districts both did the same thing. School started already on Monday. People were there on the campuses. And then they decided they were not going to have school. So all chaos exudes, you know, all chaos breaks out and, and everyone's just, what the hell do we do? Then they make dis- delay decisions and then cancellation decisions on, you know, late Monday affecting Tuesday. And then Tuesday, they make the very early calls about Wednesday. So we all just, we, we wait to find out what Thursday is going to be about. But yeah, this is this is not a good look for Stephanie Howard just in the handling of the whole thing. You know, it's hard to make these decisions, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's, it, it doesn't look good. It does not look good. Very questionable. Very questionable. I mean, did she ever have to make these kind of decisions with the last place she was? Uh, I forget where she was, where she's coming from. Andrews or she Crane was, or something like that? She was in Crane. Crane. And, of course, she would have to make the same sort of decisions because they had the same weather. However, there were never weather instances while she was there. Mm. So, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have a, one of these weather situations while she was superintendent at Crane. How long was she superintendent at Crane? Like maybe a year, maybe. It wasn't very long. So, excuse me, because I guess I didn't understand that. They hired someone that had one year experience of being superintendent at Crane ISD. To come be superintendent of Midland ISD, which is like one of the biggest school districts in the state. Well, she had been an an assistant superintendent in Odessa for a long time. Plus her her background in administration here within the district. And remember, one of the main reasons why, why, uh, one of the main things that we were looking for is someone who was from the area who did not have designs to leave us. And so, maybe someone out of the area would have taken snow concerns more seriously. Well, but that's not. I'm just. I'm just being. I'm just being. (laughs) Snow (laughs) concerns was not a concern. (laughs) Snow concerns was of no concern. Now, can I have? Can I talk some shit on the infrastructure? Now you know I've been wanting to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've been wanting to because. Yeah, we we actually, you know, on on uh, Damien's treacherous road back to Dallas, uh, we he he and I actually talked. Like we don't nowadays, we don't really talk too much unless we're talking on the podcast because I <laughs> want our conversation to be genuine. But 
he know, blocks he me like, from having conversation with him, guys. I'll call him, and he's like, I cannot talk to you until that phone says record, so please save your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and I do it just like that. Whatever. <laughs> he pulls out his, uh, his King, whatever your name was, voice. My King Claudius voice. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Okay. But, uh, yes. May, may I? Absolutely. The infrastructure in this state is fucking pathetic. It is absolutely positively pathetic and inept. The way that local governments respond to these kind of things is inept and pathetic. And it's becoming a point where it is becoming where they their ineptitudes are putting citizens' lives at danger. I'm not sitting here laughing at like Texans who are like, holy shit, the road's like a sheet of ice. I'm not going out on that. Like, yeah, damn straight. That makes sense. And like people from other states don't seem to understand that. That like this. And we don't have, you know, salt trucks and plows that are constantly going over our roads and keeping everything smooth like it was in Massachusetts. But maybe at some point they should. Maybe at some point this happens enough. No, it doesn't happen all the time. It might not even happen multiple times in one winter, but it happens enough to where the local and state government should be taking it seriously and should proper response plans so that when this happens, your entire state's industry and your city's industries don't have to shut down for days at a time because there's ice on the road that a simple salt truck and plow would fix because it works literally everywhere else. And if a state like Massachusetts that accumulates nonstop snow and ice over the course of a winter and fall can keep their roads and their state fully functional unless it's like a literal blizzard, then the state of one to two times a year, this happens. End of rant. Well, but here's the thing. This happens one to two times every three to five years. Be prepared. this, This doesn't happen every single year. And so you do look at costs of how having equipment and maintaining equipment that you never use. And so that's what the issue becomes is you have all this equipment that's on standby, but it's not being used. And so it's being maintained unnecessarily and at a cost. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you, you lose less money for maintaining emergency equipment for situations like this than you do when your entire cities are shut down and people can't go to work and people can't go to school. Uh, uh, yeah. These things just don't happen regularly enough. Like, so I can remember back with uh, when Dallas hosted the Super Bowl, that Green Bay versus Pittsburgh Super Bowl in Jerry World, where some where people died because the sheet of ice slid off of the AT and T Stadium and half the stadium they sold tickets to it and. It was still under renovation, and it was just a complete disaster. But it was a disaster because the city was frozen, and we were not prepared for it. The city of Dallas was just completely unprepared. And the people from, like, Pittsburgh and Green Bay especially were coming down looking at us like, what the fuck is y'all's problem? It's just snow. It's just ice. I don't understand why you can't deal with it. And it was just like, but we don't deal with this every day. This is 
for us, for us, this is a weather phenomena. Like this is not normal at all. It happens at, too. At it happens. All. It happens too much for that to be the excuse. If it happened once every ten years, okay. It happens too often for that to be an excuse. Your entire state's electrical infrastructure a couple years ago collapsed because of something like this, and they did nothing to fix it. They're just praying that it doesn't happen again. Look, no. Fact, now the people, the people, because they keep telling us every time we turn on the, the thing, and everybody's just questioning. Are we going to lose power? Are we going to lose power? And they keep talking about, we made improvements to the grid to prevent that from happening again. We took the necessary, you know, precautions. Uh, they weatherproofed some things and did all kinds of things to keep this from happening. And so far, so okay, far, so, you know, right, this summer was hella hot. We had a heat wave where it was just like all across the state, multiple days in, in the hundreds. And we all we all lived. There was there was no power outage, and, and right now true, the whole then... state is is below freezing. And we're all okay. We're, we haven't the power hasn't gone out. And if that's true, then okay, credit to them for doing that. But this has been a thing that's been happening since like I, as long as I can remember, and I'm sure longer still because as long as you've lived out here. And if it happens that often, if it happens every one to two to three years. Where you can almost guarantee there will be a one to three day period where everything is so icy and so whatever you want to it is not safe for people to commerce throughout your city. Then you as a federal, state, local government, but a state and local government are failing your citizens by not taking proper precautions to to correct these things. Telling people just, oh, stay home till it melts. No. I think this is like the fourth time in the last 25 years that I can remember. No, there were so many times when I was a kid. Where things have been shut down for multiple days because of ice. There were plenty of times when I was adult when I remember the city shutting down because of ice when I was living in Midwest. Well, that's a city, but we're talking about like the whole state. You you spoke specifically on state infrastructure. I said state and Midland. And Midland certainly doesn't have money to just sit around and have oh please you just said you just said you just said last week that the midland government was rich as hell you said in our podcast last week that they were not hurting for any kind of money well but that doesn't mean that we're gonna spend money on snow plows and so damn right damn right no that's not a logical use of funds it absolutely is how is that a logical use, but you don't want to use the money to improve parks? Things that we actually use on a daily basis. Because you're because I don't think that synthetic turf is a good way to improve a park, quote-unquote. Oh, my goodness. There is plenty mm-hmm. of scientific evidence that turf is not good for people's legs and people's joints. Again, it depends on the type of turf. I'm thinking you're thinking old-school AstroTurf. No, this synthetic turf that you're talking about with the pellets and the blah, blah, blah is not good for people's ACL joints. <sighs> ACLs oh are fine. Yeah? I haven't read that study. It is the... <laughs> Sorry, a bird just flew in front of my like on my front yard and my cat thinks she's a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the window open for her. She's she's all crouched and wiggling her butt. Um, 
Sasha Fierce. It is it, it is it is ineptitude to not have things on standby that are decently maintained. To, I'm sorry, it does not take a lot to maintain a salt truck and salt. Salt's not expensive, especially salt to clear snow. It's not in ice. It's not expensive. It's not. The truck is not expensive for a city that's entire commerce is surrounded by big ass trucks that transport shit. So how many trucks does it take? Because after all that happened with the Super Bowl, Dallas bought five big ice trucks. They're big salt trucks. And we're talking about five for Dallas, for DFW. So what does it take in Midland? I couldn't tell you. Probably two or three. All they need to do is patrol streets of a city. The neighborhoods stay icy. That's well known. But you keep the main roads completely clean and drivable so that when people are, you know, having to commerce to <laughs> Textot does a does a decent job. Um, I drove down I twenty nine thirty. No, they do not. That was well, terrifying. You got there like, early. Oh my god. You probably actually beat the trucks out there. I left at noon on Monday, and I got home at like 8.30 on Monday. It took me eight and a half hours. And oh. Yeah, I was normally about you getting down down that Ranger Hill. Ranger Hill actually wasn't so bad. Oh, you didn't just slide down? Mm, No, it actually wasn't too, too bad. Like we, <laughs> <laughs> like I definitely went like fifteen down it and had like both hands on the steering wheel and was. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so. Well, I mean, I think you you do have that. Your your argument has merit. We definitely need to improve our ability to respond uh, to these situations because. Because of global warming, they are happening more and more often, and we have to be able to to handle them in a way that that allows for the state to continue to run and operate. Because we can't, as a as a total state economy, continue to shut down the way that we have been doing. Uh, you know, when these episodes happen, when they do, because they've been lasting, you know, multiple days. I think that this one won't be quite as long as others have been. You know, snowpocalypse shut down the whole state, you know, for a while. Now it's, you know, mainly because we lost power and then and then we lost, you know, water on top of everything else. So it just became a whole complete situation, a, a total breakdown in everything. So we have to do better. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. We got to do better. Is Midland prepared for all these damn earthquakes they've been getting? Well, no, of course not. Earthquake preparedness packages? (laughs) No, no. Mainly because, well, a couple of reasons. A, again, it's not happening as regularly quite yet. It's getting there. Uh, The severity is is increasing as we go along, but 
See, it's, why wait to be prepared for the problem until it is a more severe problem? I don't well, understand that mindset. So what kind of, I mean, what kind, There's what do you put in place? Well, I don't there's know. Nothing. That's why I'm asking you. Like, how do you, like, that's what you I was can't, asking, You really. can't prevent an earthquake. The only way we can prevent it is to stop fracking, and nobody's going to do that. So that's A. And then B, like, you could, you don't build structure. Like, that. You would have to rebuild everything that's earthquake proof by yeah. foundation and by structure. And we're definitely not going to rebuild the city just to withstand earthquakes. So hmm. what do you do? What exactly do you do? Because none of the earthquakes that we've had have caused, you know, build a building to fall. True, but that's what I was asking. I wasn't even really talking shit there. I'm just asking, like, <laughs> what do they even are they prepared for that? Are they put plans in place for that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what plans? What do you do? I'm not an earthquake that, expert. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that would be my my only uh, question to that is just what? How do you prevent what what preventative measures do you take? And you know, what do you do? What can you do? You just wait until you see that a building shaking really bad, and then everybody just kind of gets beside it and pushes up against it to keep it up. Ah, okay. Yeah. I think that's like a good solution. Do you just pick one building in particular? Or do, are there multiple buildings? You got to kind of pick. You got to kind of pick like what you think is the most important building. Most important building. Right yeah. on. Yeah. So what else? What else going on in your mind? Uh, I'm ready for some football talk if that's all that's on your mind. Right on. Right on. So this was a a huge weekend in the NFL and in the sports world. So uh, it was it was a uh, conference championship weekend. Woo! And, and we had two very interesting matchups. We had one very interesting matchup and then one got awful <laughs> snooze fest. <laughs> I don't think either one of them was a snooze fest, quite honestly. <laughs> quite honestly, I don't think that either one of them was a snooze fest. So, I think that there were both we'll just... Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with the morning game. Let's start with that atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the first game, we saw the number one Fly, season. Eagles, fly. The number one seeded in the NFL, Philadelphia Eagles, take on the number two seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. And what on paper looked like it was going to be a really good matchup. It really did. Oh, it was going to be a great game. But the thing is, is that the Philly defense came to play. Point blank, they came to play. Uh, um, I don't know about that. Look, Brock Pretty didn't just fall apart; he got hit. <laughs> it was, it was, it was one hit that you know could have happened on any play, and it completely um, immobilized the San Francisco offense. I wouldn't really say that's just Philly came to play. It's on ready. Just had a badass force fumble. And and let's talk about the other guy. The backup quarterback came in. Oh, Josh stop! Dunkley. He don't count for nothing. 
<laughs> he was the backup. He came in. He got hit. So that Philly defense, they came to play, and they were headhunting, and they found heads to hunt. Took out both of the quarterbacks on the roster. Like, mm-hmm. San Francisco, plain and simple, ran out of quarterbacks. And even Which is if, just terrible. But even and, – and here's my thing. Even if they would have had quarterbacks, it really – I don't think that it would have mattered because the Philadelphia offense had gotten to where they were rolling. Well, their, so their game was pretty efficient. Uh, so here's here's my uh, piece about it as a whole. I think that like it was a let because, I mean, San Francisco quite literally ran out of quarterbacks. Um, but Philly went in there and did what they had to do. And like you're right, that defense showed up on fire. Um, and you're gonna like probably like laugh at this, scoff at me, and whatever, Cordy. It's fine. I am concerned about Jalen Hurts. Solely because he, see, I knew you were going to do that, but he said in multiple interviews that no, 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 because he's he has said in multiple he's interviews, not what no, that his right, not. right, right, that his shoulder's not right. And I'm wondering, is the kid even like 70%? Because when you're when when I was watching, and I was mostly like only watching Philly because I'm for full disclosure, and we'll get into this probably more next week, but Philly's my Super Bowl pick, and I'm really, really, really excited for the Super Bowl. And so I really like, I just wanted to watch Philly play. More or less, and like uh, he was, he was barely hitting short throws, and he had no touch on his deep balls, and he was just kind of, and it's, and he, and he's only been, Uh-oh. and obviously, like Patrick Holmes isn't one hundred percent either. But I'm just, I, I just really hope in these two weeks the kid can get right because I don't know, just watching those throws. I mean, it, it, he just looked really off. He did not look like the same passer he was before he hurt his shoulder, and I'm just concerned if he's going to be healed enough in time for the Super Bowl. Because I want to see a Jalen Hurts at, like, as close to 100% as possible. I mean, I want to see that. I mean, he's one of the best well, deep ball passers in the league, and his deep balls were looking scary. And the only thing I could think of is it's that shoulder. Well, I think what I saw is he was overcompensating a lot in his deep ball passes because he was missing people too long. He wasn't missing people short. And that's what you would normally see with someone who has a shoulder injury is that they don't have the ability to get the ball down the field. He was overshooting def- uh, his receivers. And he did that two or three times to both a- uh, AJ and to uh, Devonte Smith. So um, that's something that I think that I'm not concerned with, you know, uh, that comes with more of that, that rust and, and, uh, two weeks of of more rehab and rust and practice will make that better, a better situation. Now, if he would have been out there and he was grossly underthrowing passes, um, which he did at some, you know, on shorter passes. That's that's shorter. the thing is there were yeah there were just a lot of like you know in routes but those shorter and, but you know those shorter passes is where he was getting some pressure, and so he was having to throw over people. He was having to throw over defenders. He was having to rush his mechanics a little bit. And so that was causing those shorter passes to miss just a little bit. But I blame that on, on solid defense and Bosa trying to save the day. Because Bosa, you know, he, he tried to be disruptive. And, and I thought that he that they did as well a job as they could do. Uh, but – the Philadelphia offensive line are just juggernauts, and they were just not going to let Jalen get get hit and get hurt. 
but yeah, uh, they, and like, and, and I'm not fresh. feeling, and I'm not feeling like doom and gloom about like Philly offense. I'm not like you know, oh no, or anything like that. I just, I'm just, I want to see Jalen Hurts as close to 100 percent by the Super Bowl, and I'm just a little concerned about that shoulder because like every time they talk to him, he's like, you know, oh my shoulder and rehab and this thing's hurting and I'm not 100 percent, but I'm playing through it, and I'm just, I'm, is he trying to tamper expectations or something? Like I don't know. Well, and I think that is I think that is a part of it. It's gamesmanship. You're not gonna tell everybody that you're you're super great. You know, you want the defense to 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 key in on that so that they can overcompensate their defense to try and get pressure and hurt him so that they can exploit, you know, their defense another way. And I think that that was part of the game plan. It's why the run was so effective, because they were trying to to, to rush hurts and get a lick on Hurts so bad that they allow wide open lanes, running lanes, uh, for all of the Philadelphia backs. So oh, yeah. all the backs got to eat because every the defense was so keyed in on trying to get to Hurts. So yeah. I think it's a little bit of game, gamesmanship uh, for him to keep talking about, you know, he's not 100%, uh, la, 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 because what we saw is that he could still launch the ball. And like I said, he was overshooting receivers on the long ball, not not undershooting. Yeah, I mean, so, I get that. I just know that I haven't missed a single Philly football game this year. I'm sure you haven't missed a single Philly football game this year. And Jalen Hurts, before the shoulder injury and after shoulder injury, the throwing is clearly different. There's no getting around it. It's clearly different. And so I'm just saying, I'm just hoping two weeks rest, you know, massages and therapy and proper practice he's going to be as close to 100 as possible because it's not going to be fun watching a super bowl if Patrick Mahomes is still hobbling on one leg and Jalen Hurts can barely throw a ball like that's you know what I mean like I don't know I want to see I just want to see Jalen Hurts go out there and be the explosive ass runner and passer that we saw this year because that was when the Eagles were just so exciting to watch but on the other side of that we have to be realistic and understand this is the end of a football season and nobody's going to be 100 healthy it's just impossible with the with the physical nature of the game. And so everybody's going to be a little bit dinged up. It's the reason why there's two weeks before the Super Bowl and not just For one. Sure. Yeah. It's because you're trying to get everyone as healthy as possible. But that's just not the reality of the situation. So, you know, I think that Nick Sirianni um, will, will game plan accordingly and that the Eagles will be just fine. Um I like where their team is. I like where that defense is. The defense was nasty. Um, and I think the that, defense was brilliant. Oh my gosh. And, and I think that against, you know, uh, their it, it really doesn't matter who lines up on the other side. The front four defensively will get to them. The, uh, the back, you know, those, those, those safeties, you know, are there and ever-present. They will cover and they will make the big plays. The linebackers are good to sneak up on you and and uh, get an interception. Anything that gets tipped in the air is going to get picked off. And it's so, like Legion of Boom 2014 style. It is. It really is. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of special things happening on, on that defense, and I think that that's – the D, if nothing else works, the defense is going to work, and it's going to lead them to a championship. And for However, San Fran, I mean, we don't have a lot to say about San Fran, but like they lost two quarterbacks within like the first half of the game. <laughs> There's just yeah, not much to I mean, say about it besides that sucks. 
that sucks. <laughs> it sucks for them. That's part of the yeah. game. And it's, it's hard now to... it's brought, you know, it's brought up some whole discussions about um, the emergency quarterback position because a lot of, you know, you're only allowed a, a 52-man roster. But once upon a time in football, they used to have an emergency quarterback position, which was this bonus extra quarterback that's not part of your 52-man roster, but they could suit up. And the only thing they could do was come in in an absolute emergency situation. Everybody else goes down, then you have the emergency. And I've heard that, but then it's like, well, what if the emergency quarterback is Exactly. Because <laughs> that's the way, you know, that's the way I felt about that game. It wouldn't have mattered. You could have put in five more quarterbacks, and they were all going to go out of that game because that's just how hard Philadelphia was hitting. That's how how diligent they were about getting to the passer. And so, you know, it didn't matter who, who was back there. They were going to get the same amount of nasty, you know, regardless. So, well, um, I think I think San Francisco also just has an issue with durable quarterbacks. I mean, as Kyle Shanahan ever – he's had, what, one year where he's had a healthy quarterback, and that was the year they lost – last minute in the Super Bowl against Mahomes. Like, I, I don't know if Brock Purdy is a fully durable quarterback. He's kind of a smaller guy. I mean, this was a one, like, let's see. I mean, the way Reddick hit his hand, like, that shit, like, I don't know. I was I was reading a lot of stuff after the game, and a lot of, like, uh, doc, like sports doctors and people that work on him were saying, like, that, shit, that hit really shouldn't have, it should have just, I mean, you maybe, like, hurt his arm for a little bit, but nothing should have broke. Like, so I'm just, I don't know, is the kid durable, you know? And like Josh Johnson, he's, I think that was just the NFL is being so particular about concussions this year. I really think that's all Josh Johnson was. And then it's like, Garoppolo can never stay healthy. Lance is, hasn't Lance been hurt two years in a row back to back now? So I don't know. I don't know. But I just wonder if <laughs> it just feels like can't Shanahan can't f- seem to find himself a durable quarterback. Maybe. I mean, Joe Burrow was getting knocked all over the field against Kansas City, and you know he he wasn't he was fine. <laughs> so I just wonder. Built from different stuff. It's true. But on but, now um, on the on the other side of the the, the uh, <gasps> we had the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, and this game became a bulletin board game. What I mean by that is that the bulletin board material provided by the Cincinnati Bengals fueled the Kansas City Chiefs, and they said it. I mean, this is not not a hypothetical because the Chiefs said, said as much. You don't talk about – you don't change the name of their stadium. Like, There's... they got pissed off that they were calling it Burrowhead. There's competitive shit talk, and then there's just outright disrespect. And when you outright disrespect the other team, like yes. that's a roster of 52 grown ass men that its entire purpose is to smack you around. Yes. <laughs> you know, like ah, I don't know. And they they took that they took it personally. They took all of that very personally. But and here's so, oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, and then we saw the result of that. Like they were determined that Joe Burrow was not going to be the person who defeated them. And he still well, almost I, did. Well, and that's the thing is it's like Joe Burrow wasn't talking shit. <laughs> you know, it was Cincinnati media and the defense, you know, a lot of defensive boys, but Burrow was pretty respectful throughout the process. But um, 
Well, Burl was the only one. He was like looking at everybody and be like, he was looking please at stop. everybody I'm like, gotta get yeah, I'm missing three offensive line these. starters. Shut up. Yeah. Like, like, guys, please don't say these things. Please, please stop. Like all week long, he was just like, please stop. You can just see it in his <laughs> eyes. Like, please stop. Don't say these things. And they're like, are you ready to play in Burrowhead? Arrowhead. Yeah. Well, people Arrowhead. Are calling Burrowhead, it's Arrowhead. It's Arrowhead. It's Arrowhead. Please, it's Arrowhead. Please call it Arrowhead. 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 Here's here's my honest take. I feel like we watched the best two quarterbacks in the league sling it out. I don't think it's up for debate anymore. I think Mahomes and Burrow are definitively the best two quarterbacks in the league. Um I think I okay. I don't want to be that guy, Courtney. And this is actually going to lead me to part of a, of a little bit of a football segment I have coming up once we get over the general discussion of the games. But I think that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my lifetime. My life. I know. I'm not blaming the refs. I'm not saying the, the Bengals lost because of the refs because they had two chances within the last eight minutes to go down and score. And they failed. But holy fuck was the officiating atrocious in that game. And even through it all, Patrick Mahomes on one leg Joe Burrow getting smacked around left to right. They still managed to make it one of the most exciting and competitive games I've seen like all year. I really definitely feel like those are like Philly, Cincy, and KC are like the best three rosters, the best three football teams, the best coach football teams in the entire league right now. And I felt like watching those teams play was like football and it's like its best form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I well, thought both defenses I, were playing excellent. I thought both offenses were playing excellent. I thought the coaching was great on both sides. I think at the end of the day, I think Reed coached a better game. And I think Mahomes is just the better quarterback. And I think the Chiefs were just the better, more motivated team. And they had the way better offensive line. And I think at the end of the day, that's what won them out the game. Um, and so well, I'm definitely not blaming the refs. Like I said, the Bengals had two chances towards the end of that game to go and win and couldn't do it. But that officiating was horrendous in that game. Well, look, that game should have gone to overtime. Mm-hmm. That game should have gone to overtime. But if not for one boneheaded mistake, and you had to throw the flag. You had to throw the flag on that. Oh, oh that that's, not e- that, that's not even that's not even that's not even that's not even what I'm complaining about. Well, that I mean, one but, was completely clearly roughing the path or uh, uh, excessive, whatever it's called. That was yeah. clear as day. That's what that was. Except for the fact that they didn't call the late hit on Joe Burrow, literally the last drive of the previous series, which was almost the exact same thing when Chris Jones knocked him out of bounds when he was already out of bounds. They didn't throw that flag. But was he that far both feet? Like way out of bounds. I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but there was, there's plenty, there's like tons of. I'll send you one myself once we're off this. Right. There's tons of comparison videos where it was almost identical, and they didn't throw the flag up for Burrow, but they threw it for Mahomes. But I'm not even. That was yeah. such a boneheaded. Patrick, like, Patrick, you can't make Mahomes that mistake. Was, Patrick Mahomes was in the parking lot when dude hit him. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't make that mistake in the championship game with 10 seconds left on the clock. And like, I respect football players because I could not be nice to that guy. Right, was like supporting their teammate. I would be uh, like, you, fuck you ain't exactly. fine playing back with us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I wouldn't have been the one. I wouldn't have been the one over there talking. You, it's okay. It's okay, bro. It's okay. Nah, bro. It's not okay. <laughs> it is not no, okay. It's, it's far We're from not okay. cool right now. One hundred percent. Not cool. I need you to go sit way the fuck over there and leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. 
It's like, no, oh, you're a team, and you got to lift up. You know, fuck you, nah. because we just played 60 <laughs> minutes of grueling football, and you just, I mean, like, again, there were so many mistakes made, like, up and down the field by the Bengals towards the end of the game that, like, you could just tell yes. Joe Burrow was, like, hurt. I'm not saying hurt, like, Jalen Hurts hurt, but, like, and Patrick Mahomes hurt, but those sacks were taking their toll. And you yes. could tell, like, like, for example, Zach Taylor made a really boneheaded decision to call that timeout on second and eight when you could have let that ball keep rolling because at the end of the day, one, you only need a field goal, and Evan McPherson's one of the best kickers in the league, and two, you could have just ran it into overtime. Yeah. So why call a desperation timeout on a second and eight when you had like 30-something? Like, let that clock run out. Yeah, that game should have went so to overtime. The, it really should have yes. So I, I just – I don't know. I just think that at the end of the day, the Bengals were outcoached and slightly outquarterbacked. But really, I honestly think, you know, I think Mahomes, the way Mahomes and his offensive line play together is, like, glorious to watch. Like, I, they're always, like, in such sync. Like, Mahomes knows the best places to stand in the pocket. He knows kind of exactly where to run out to. The offensive line kind of knows exactly how to adjust around him. And when Burrow's not playing with three offensive line starters, like, that poor man was trying. And they kept that game super competitive. And I honestly feel like if they played 10 games back-to-back, they would have split it 50-50. Like, I yep. do generally, I feel like those two teams plus the Eagles are the absolute best the NFL has to offer right now. Well, look, Travis Kelsey is just probably the – he might be the best tight end in football ever. And it's – it's somebody, somebody kind of put it in, in one of the sports people. They were talking about how he was a former quarterback, and it wasn't until – late in his career that he got converted to tight end. Well, because he was a former quarterback, he learned how to read defenses really well. And so what he does is once the play starts, he knows where the defense is going to be positioned and he just runs to the empty spot. Like, oh, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the play design is for him. His job is to run to the empty spot based on how he reads the coverage. And he is a master of doing that. And Mahomes has become a master of wait until Kelsey gets somewhere and turns around and shows me his numbers. It's like he, it's like it's that first touchdown he threw where it looks like he's about to get swallowed by the Bengals defense. And then you just see him like panic, not even panic, though. Like for any other quarterback, it would look like a desperation throw. But you just see him like chunk that ball right. He's about to get sacked and it just lands perfectly in Kelsey's hands when he's practically wide open in the end zone. It's like, how do you let that happen, Bengals? Uh, It's like, it reminds me of, this game reminded me a lot of that 2017 Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl where Brady put up 505 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, offense played flawless, and the defense would like get the Eagles to second and ten. And then third and eight. And then they would give up some massive 20 yard completion on third and eight. And then they would get, they would sack Nick Foles. And now it's second and 16. And then, and then they would run for a three yard gain. And now it's third and 13. And then, you know, they would pick up 12 yards. Now it's fourth and one. And then the Patriots would let up like a 20 yard fourth one completion. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, if you remember that Super Bowl, the Patriots could not get a stop on third and fourth down. And that's the Bengals would play perfectly on first down. Perfectly on second down, and then the Chiefs could do whatever the fuck they wanted. Sorry, whatever the hell they wanted on third down or fourth down, and it was it's made no sense. Yeah. And I was getting irritated watching it because it's like, how do you play flawlessly on the first two downs and then just give up massive chunk yardage on third and fourth down, like almost every single time? It's frustrating. 
<laughs> I was getting pissed. My buddy was like, you can say it all you want, but you're a Bengals fan. He was like, you haven't acted like this since you were very invested in the Patriots. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to not admit it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was getting yeah. so frustrated, man. You're a Macaulay Culkin fan. That's all. He's he's so sexy. He's so sexy. Oh, God. He I. But I love, but I also, but like, come on, Jamar Chase, the miracle place he was making, T. Higgins, oh my God, like, it's yeah, just... it's a good, it's a great team. It's a great young team. They are a young, young team, and they have a core that can be sensational for a long time. I just want to see Joe Burrow get one freaking chance through the playoffs to play with a healthy offensive line. And yeah, it doesn't they, even have to be... If they ever get him a line, I mean, that's really the missing link. If they well, that's the thing is an all-star line. I don't even think I don't even think he needs that because like the first five or six games of a year, his offensive line was rough. But by the end of the year, I think he was playing with like this, like the sixth or seventh ranked line in the league. Like they, they were playing great. And then they just get hurt. Last year, the line was just trash. This year, they were all hurt. Can I just see Joe Burrow go on one playoff run with a good offensive line? Not great, not phenomenal, not Eagles, not Chiefs, not Niners, but just top 10, and nobody gets hurt, you know? Fuck, like, let me see Joe Burrow in a championship game or a Super Bowl with a real offensive line. Please, one time. (laughs) One time. I'm sure it'll happen, but, you know, there's always going to be – there's going to be Kansas City to be – to stand in the way. Is they're not going away anytime soon. And I mean, you Burrow, still have, and you still Burrow have was 3 0 against them. He was 3 0 against them and 4 0 against them. So was, I, was, I think, I think it's a real rivalry. I think it's a real rivalry. Like everyone always said that Brady and Manning were rivals. And like, I don't know, Brady kind of kicked his ass all over the, the field. Like Manning beat him twice in postseason history. I feel like. Bengals and Chiefs are like a. It makes me think of. I didn't live during that time, but it makes me think of the way people talked about the old Niners Cowboys rivalries. Like I feel like that's a really yeah. Like it feels like those those are two. It feels like those are two like almost exactly equal teams, and it literally just depends on who shows up more on that given Sunday because the the Bengals were hurt, the Chiefs were hurt, and it took them down to the last second for a winner to be decided in that game. But Courtney, your comment about Kelsey segues into my little my little thing I got for you. Okay. Okay. So I am here with all my oh my god I wish this damn earbud would stay in my ear. I am here with all my infinite sports wisdom. You know me. I'm just like the next I'm the Colin Cowherd of my generation. Um oh is that <laughs> is that a compliment? Wait a minute. Hey I love Cowherd. I um, think Cowherd's a disaster but okay uh, I think Cowherd like is one of those people where he's like kind of an annoying prick, but if you really just listen to what he's saying, everything he says is kind of right. <laughs> and, and I like the fact that when he does say something wrong, he'll be the first one to be like, "Yep, I was wrong. That was a bad take. I I I failed there." He's way better than people like Nick Wright and Skip and people like that. I like Cowherd. But um, I am going to present to you three greatest of all times. That I have decided after this weekend, and one worst of all time. <laughs> Are you ready for this, Dak Prescott? Would you like my worst of all time first, or do you want the three greatest of all times first, Dak Prescott? Shut up, <laughs> <laughs> we them boys. <laughs> Go with the worst. Okay. We the worst. 
This is the single worst year of NFL officiating I have ever seen. <laughs> no, like regular season, postseason, I feel like it's at an all-time low. And I feel like a lot of people agree. I feel like the quality of the game has greatly decreased this year because of how atrocious the officiating is. Even in that Niners-Eagles game, it was nonstop flags, flag after flag after flag after flag after flag. And it's just like, I feel like they need to figure it the officiating issue out very quickly before their product like really starts to deteriorate. I mean, you're old, a lot older than me. So you see, so you can, I'm I, once again, I'm talking about my lifetime actively watching the sport, but can you please tell me a year where like, it seems like there were more missed calls and worse officiating and worse officiating decisions that were deciding games. Like it's awful. And the officiating in both these games were Horrible. Even my like my best friend who like likes football but doesn't really watch anymore because of work and stuff. He was watching games with me. And he, he was like, "Are they using like backup refs or something? Like, what the fuck are these calls? <laughs> like, it's so bad." Well, <clears throat> there was a year, and it was the year of uh, the the year that Buffalo came all the way back to beat the Oilers. Like they were down thirty five or whatever. And they came all the way back to beat the Oilers. And that was probably the worst officiating I've ever seen. The worst official I've ever seen in my life is somebody that you probably are not familiar with. He was a little bit before your time. His name was Johnny Greer. He's so bad that I remember his name. He, <laughs> <laughs> he probably was the worst official in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that, that you could look that up. And you would find things that would agree that Johnny Greer, G-R-E-E-R, Johnny Greer, is the worst official in the history of the NFL. And he came in the air before this. But you have to – so this is what I will say about officiating, is that it is a human component. It is the only thing that's left in football that is subjective. And it totally depends on the viewpoint of those people and where they are on the field. Now we've actually gotten a lot better in calls because you have, now you have an official up in the booth who can buzz down and be like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Mm, I don't know, but they don't have complete, you know, oversight. So if a call is made, they can't go back and be like, you know, or they can't be like, Oh, well you missed this call. Uh, but they can overrule some calls, and they have done that. And they, I think that as bad as officiating can get, you know, you can show where a foul is a foul. <laughs> and there are so many camera angles now that you can, you can, you can show it. It may like the, all these holding things and things that get called as holding. That's always difficult because holding can be called on every single play. Oh, for in, sure. You know, every in the history of the of the game. Um, it's the timing of it. It's when these calls are made because they always get seem to be, they always seem to get made in the most critical of times in a game, or they get, they tend to not be made at the most critical of times. And so that part is what, you know, those are other factors that make it just look like it's just egregious all the time. It's like, this is the biggest moment of the game and, and you're throwing a flag or this is the biggest moment of the game and you dare not throw a flag on that. Like what the, you know, what the, what, wait, what? And so, um, wait, what? 
I can see it. I, I see your point. I definitely see your point. I don't necessarily agree that this is the worst year for officiating because officiating has been terrible. For a very well, and that's long why time. I well, and that's why I specified like my lifetime, you know, yes. me actively watching football. Like I just personally like I can't. There's been tons of times this year where I've turned the games off because either the football play was just bad. Like, why am I watching the three and whatever Broncos play the four and whatever Commanders on prime time? That's terrible. You know what I mean? Or the officiating was so bad. I was like, I don't want to watch this right now. And. I just, I just know I've seen a lot of other people kind of collectively saying, like, what the hell is this officiating? I feel like the NFL needs to take this. Okay, my dogs are going crazy. I just feel like people need to take this seriously. The NFL needs to take this seriously before, like, I don't, I don't know. Because, like, think about it. Like, NBA officiating is horrible. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's pretty bad, too. Like, horrible. And I, I feel like the NFL is heading to that direction of poor with their officiating. What do you do? How do you fix it? I mean, I don't have the solutions. They need to. How do they even <laughs> determine refs? Do they have like, like I said, I don't have the solutions. I just have the complaints. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. I think, but I think they need to come up with some kind of a system to get better officiating. I do. I don't, I don't know. Well, You're right. The other day, and- there is always going to be human error for sure, but I think they need to come up with some kind of a system. And, you know, to become a, an NFL referee, you have to go through the ranks. So the way that all of that works is you start off in, like, little leagues and you work your way up. And after you do so many games, you get, you know, you start to officiate high school games. Then you start to officiate college games. And after you officiate so many college games and, you know, people look at your tape and how accurate are you on your calls, you know, things like that. Then you get asked to do NFL games. And, you know, they move you to different positions to where you finally become a head referee. And, you know, the way that they determine who's refing a, a playoff game is based on how accurate you are during the season. So, you know, the guy who ref that AFC championship game, although, you know, I've seen memes where he saying that he was the first Mims? referee to be to be named the AFC conference player of the game, <laughs> you know, because he was that instrumental. I mean, it was uh, terrible. But, he, you know, he earned that right to be the referee in that game. and You know, it's not always just on him. He's the one who has the mic and has to deliver the calls. But, uh, you know, his whole crew was probably, you know, questionable. And uh, it, uh, it's just that's a hard job. It's a hard as much as you criticize a referee. I don't think I would ever want to be a referee because I'd be too much of my feelings. I kick everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my first greatest of all time. Okay. Travis Kelsey is definitively the greatest tight end to ever play the sport. Am I, I don't know about I don't know about definitively, but he is definitely. <sighs> In on the Mount Rushmore of tight ends, Tony Gonzalez I, was a badass. Tony Gonzalez Tony, was a badass. Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, and um, uh, Gronk, and maybe yes. Antonio Gates are the only ones that could give him a run for his money. But I feel like he's passed them. I feel like the production he's done with nobodies like Matt Castle and Alex. I mean, not Alex Smith is a full nobody, but what he was doing with them, 
I mean, the way he's just come alive in the Mahomes offense and the way him and Mahomes have, like, the same kind of Brady-Gronk connection where he's just always open. Like, how do you have 14 catches in the divisional round against Buffalo? How did he have that? Or last year against Buffalo in the conference championship when he had, like, that 13-second touchdown or whatever it was or when he got open and then he was the one that scored in overtime. And he just always seems to be open at exactly the right times. He's such an acrobatic player. The amount of touchdowns and receiving yards and receptions, he just racks up and racks up, and he's very durable. He's never hurt. And no, he doesn't block. He doesn't block the way Gronk did, but the Chiefs don't need him to. That offensive line is going to be as a need to block. He's just such a, a phenomenal weapon that I think. I think looking at his career as a whole, I think he's past the other guys. I think he's the greatest of all time. I mean, there's definitely a case to be made for sure. And he has unquestionable swag, and you know, he's a good. He's, <laughs> Keep he's your a mouth shut, guy. you jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good-looking guy. He's a he's a very entertaining Kelsey, and he has you know a great champion big brother. So, yeah. Um, Mahomes, greatest quarterback of all time. Not saying he's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. Not saying he stacked up seven trophies the way Brady did. But if we're just considering greatest of all time by who stacks up awards, why is Bill Russell not the greatest basketball player of all time? Because you have to because you have to stack up intangibles. There is absolutely nothing that Tom Brady can do that Patrick Mahomes is not already doing. But there are things about Mahomes that Tom Brady could never do. Patrick Mahomes cool. is the better quarterback. Not the most accomplished, but the better quarterback. Look, if you want to crowd his ass, crowd him. <laughs> but I'm not quite ready to do that just because of the years he's been doing it. Yes, he's he's he is on track to be the greatest quarterback ever. But you have to have longevity in the game because that's the the greats have had longevity in the game. And so I give you for the time that he's been here and for the things that he's done, yeah, he's pretty he's pretty incredible. However, I need him to do it for a few more years. I need him to have some adversity. I mean, he's had like no adversity. His biggest adversity this year was losing uh the cheetah. Well uh, to, in the AFC champ in the championship game, he lost his first, second, and third string receivers and on one leg still beat the freaking Bengals. Did he lose Travis Kelsey? Did he lose Travis Kelsey? Okay, then. (laughs) All those other people, all those other people don't mean Jack Squat. How much adversity did Brady and Montana go? A lot. A lot. Joe Montana went through some shit. Boy. He was incredible. That was a great quarterback. You would never get me to talk bad about Joe Montana. Joe Montana, Joe I still Montana. think is 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 still, you know, I still side eye <clears throat> Brady because oh my god, because Joe Montana. I lived in the Joe Montana era, so I, I Joe Montana was was pretty special. And I mean, you're lucky enough to have lived. You're gonna live through the Brady Montana and Mahomes eras. That is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. See some great football being played, and so uh, that's why that's why it's hard for me to crown him just quite yet. 
you know, I know, but he is he is charting in that direction. I can see I can see your argument there. You know, give it a couple more years, but I'm just I'm just saying that Tom Brady is definitely the most accomplished and the goat, but there's not one thing that he can do that Mahomes isn't already doing five years into the league. Yeah. And there's so much that Mahomes is doing that Brady could never touch in his career. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, Brady's or never been a mobile. Never Brady's never been a mobile quarterback like ever. And that's the thing is that Mahomes can be completely immobile and still throw the ball and call things at the line of scrimmage and dink and dunk and slice and dice an offense the exact same way, if not better than Brady. And you know me, I'm one of the biggest Brady. Excuse me, listeners. Uh, no, I won't say it. I'm one of the biggest Brady worshippers you've ever met in your life. You know that about me. And Mahomes is just better. It's fucking <laughs> phenomenal to watch, man. Now I'm wondering <laughs> what word were you going to use? Cocksucker. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, we have to touch on it just for a second because Brady just announced his retirement again. Yeah, he did, and I think it's definitely for good this time. Yeah, it's for good this time because I don't think that anyone out there is just really, really ready to take another chance on him. He just looks so old against Dallas. I would love to see him on a one-year deal with San Fran. I don't. A healthy, durable quarterback on San Fran. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't need to play like a god for San Fran to win. He will, though. He will get hurt because that's what they do. <laughs> the San Francers just talked about how they can't keep a quarterback healthy. <laughs> okay, but he's got a long sample size. <laughs> uh, uh, but they, I just, they would, uh, he would get carted off the field to San Francisco. <laughs> he really would. It would be a, a tragic end to his career if he were trying to be a statue back there in San Francisco. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. That'd be awful. But 23 years of amazing quarterbacking, and he's still my all-time favorite player. I love the guy. Yeah, he's a, he, I can see. He's likable. I adore him. Um, so my final greatest of all time. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Howie Roseman is the greatest general manager to ever, you know, run a front oh. office in football. That man is on a level – that I, I don't, dude. If I remember correctly, and correct me if I get this wrong. Reed, Reed's time in Philly kind of runs its course. You know they move on. He hires Chip Kelly. It goes awful. He immediately pivots off Chip Kelly and doesn't. It, it's Peterson next, right? Well, let me. But let me give you. Let me give you some insight. Even then, what happened with Chip Kelly is Chip Kelly came in. And he wanted total control. How, Howie Roseman had his responsibilities taken away from him. Like, he was a GM in name. He had no more control over the real operations of the club because Chip Kelly wanted all personnel decisions. So when Chip Kelly was there, he was the GM. And Howie Roseman was just collecting the check. So after they finally fired Chip Kelly... Howie Roseman took control once again. And then they hired, I think, I don't think it was immediately. Maybe it was Peterson immediately after Chip Kelly. Seems like there was somebody else, but maybe not. 
But yeah, he gets Doug Peterson. But what he really gets credit for, you take it, you build a Super Bowl team, and then five years later, with a new coach and a new starting quarterback, you take another team back to the Super Bowl. You're right. He is one of he is probably the greatest GM in the history of the National Football League. He's the first GM to very aggressively seek traits. He was the first GM to really aggressively just get rid of picks, you know, for star players, which I know that's kind of become the Rams and Les Needs thing. But Howie was the guy that engineered that. Howie is the only GM I know of that can draft a seventh round Australian rugby player put him in at left tackle and now he's like the sixth or seventh best ranked left tackle in the league. The guy put together a competitive team with Carson Wentz. Uh, and yeah, it was Doug Peterson. Chip Kelly was fired in 15 and then Peterson was hired. Um, okay. Put together a competitive team with Wentz. They go seven and 10 that year. And the very next year, they go to the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback that, you know, Chip Kelly had to bring in. Chip Kelly had to believe in Nick Foles. Chip Kelly had to be willing to give Foles that contract. No, Howie Roseman. Oh, yeah, Howie Roseman. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My brain sucks on <laughs> Chip Kelly. Um, Roseman had to give Foles that contract. Okay, they win that Super Bowl. And then everyone acts like, you know, the years following that Super Bowl were so atrocious. But, like, it's not like oh. Philly was just right. Exactly. Then, I'm sorry, a lot of people myself included, thought it was crazy when he fired Doug Peterson. And then when he hired Nick Sirianni out of nowhere, people like, what the fuck? And then Jalen Hurts as a second-round pick when you had Carson Wentz, who seemed like a great quarterback, you know, coming off that MVP caliber year, we're like, why is he drafting this Jalen Hurts kid in the second round? He was right about that. He missed on Jalen Rager when he could have taken Justin Jefferson. He immediately doubles down the next year and takes Devonta Smith. And then the next year gets rid of Rager, trades for A.J. Brown instead of drafting some random rookie in the first round. Like, the guy's not afraid to admit when he fucks up, and he's always great at, like, making that fuck up better. You miss on Jalen Jefferson, or, I mean, you miss on Jalen Rager, you go get Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And don't forget, don't forget one of his biggest coups was taking Dallas Goddard right away (laughs) from the Cowboys. He traded up to get that position, to get the tight end they had Yes, he, he traded, traded, he up, traded up to get Devonta Smith because the Cowboy wanted Devonta Smith. And he yes. traded up to get Smith from them, you know? And it's just like, he's the only guy I can think of that has... This, he has a team in the Super Bowl and still has the number 10 pick in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And not to mention his quarterback, second-round player. The majority of his offensive line, second-round or later players. His tight end, second-round draft pick. Okay, his two wide receivers first round draft picks, but they're godly. They're godly yes. wide receivers. His defensive line core is first round, second round, and, and amazing traded talent. Somebody like Hassan Reddick, who the freaking Cardinals were using as an outside linebacker or whatever they were using him for, throws him on the D line. Now he's having a career year. The linebacker, in, the linebacker in court. season moves. The <laughs> season moves to get Reddick and and then Dominica Sue. In mm-hmm. Sue, we picked up Sue off the street. I'm just like he goes. He goes two years wow. ago and trades to and trades to the Lions for a big play Slay, and Darius Slay is yeah. one of the most like he he's not putting up like all pro numbers, but he's playing one of the most like he's one of the most clutch. Always there, exactly. Yeah. We need him to be corners in football right now. Yes, he is the only GM in NFL history to take a team with a different coach and starting quarterback to Super Bowls within five years of each other. 
Yes. And stay competitive the whole time. He's posted, I think, what, one losing season or two? Two losing seasons in that time period. And that was when two head coaches were in their first years. And immediately those teams went to the Super Bowl following that first year. Or no, no, no. The Eagles, it, it took Jalen Hurts two years, didn't it? The four and 12 year. And then it was whatever they were last year and then this year. But regardless, yeah. like that, that's not luck. That's not all luck. of that. that is, all of that. And he cute. Uh, I've never seen How, him. He looks like oh, really? Hi, Roseman yeah. is cute. He a cute dude. He a cute little dude. You <laughs> <laughs> good boy. Yeah. Ew. He looks oh, like nah. a Republican politician. Well, I mean, some of the <laughs> cute. He's like youngish looking. He's not uh, old. Oh, about that. But anyways, that's my spiel. I've got I brought you the greatest tight end of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time, and the greatest GM of all time. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> picks. All interesting picks for sure. But uh yeah, so wow. it was it was a a wonderful championship weekend. I am super excited. I was at school on Monday just long enough to gloat to the one teacher who is a big San Francisco fan. Oh like, that shouldn't even as, feel good, man. Oh yeah, it still it felt incredible. You know, I didn't get to gloat as much as I wanted to, and I still have a lot of gloating to do because there were a lot of students who were who were, you know, purposely telling me, you know, Mr. Mr. Rapper, die Eagles die. Your Eagles are gonna be they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose. And I kept telling them I was just like I kept telling all of them. <coughs> I said Monday when you come to school, I'm going to need you to go to Mr. Salinas and give him a hug because he's going to need it after what we did to his 49ers. <laughs> and after what we did to his 49ers, like, he seriously, he was, like, dejected. When I finally did see him, like, we were we were doing a, one last check and, and we were both headed in the same director, direction. I was just like, Mr. Salinas, I didn't think I was going to get to see you. <laughs> it's like, I was just like, man. Y'all just ran out of quarterbacks. <laughs> and then it was just like, you know, we did just run out of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it was it's satisfying. It's very satisfying. And now you get to see your team back in the Super Bowl for the first time in or for the second time in five years, and I get to be their biggest bandwagon fan ever. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. And what I'm also okay with is how all of these Dallas Cowboy fans are hating on the Eagles and pulling for the uh, the Chiefs. And <laughs> I'm okay with that because they're all, you know, they're, they're sports love. We all know what kind of curse they are. So, like, the Chiefs are probably like, oh, God, please, Cowboy fans, do not pull for us. This is, we do not need this, this bad juju uh, <laughs> on our side. And so uh, I'm okay with it. Go ahead and pull for the Chiefs. Like my whole family, like we have a group texting. Like they're just so obnoxious about the Cowboys. It's just, oh, how about them Cowboys? It's all season long. But then when the Cowboys lose, it's like their phones don't even work anymore. And so (laughs) I text everybody. And I was just like, how about them Eagles? And my sister's text back, and she was just like, what about them? <laughs> then, then my other sister was just like, go Chiefs. 
I'm a Mahomes fan. Go Chiefs. I was just like, y'all so haters for real. Oh, yeah. And they're all uh, Chiefs. Micah Parsons was talking to Lane Johnson at the game and came in, go win one for the division, this and that. And uh, they were getting him shit online. And Micah Parsons was like, fuck you. This is a brotherhood, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's still NFC East. Like, I'm always going to root for our division and our conference. And everyone's just, yeah. I love Micah Parsons, though. But then somebody, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody and they're just like, okay, honestly, could you root for, do you, would you root for everybody in the East? And I was just like, well, you know, I would gladly root for the Giants and for the Commanders. And they're just just like, but what about the other one? I said, it would, I would root for the Giants and the Commanders. So. I would root for the Commanders. You would never catch me rooting for the Giants, obviously, and you would never catch me rooting for the Cowboys. Uh, I, it, you know, it depends on who they played. Like, if if the Cowboys were playing against... <sighs> Let me think. <laughs> I can't think of a team you hate more than Dallas. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe if they were playing against the Patriots, you hate the Patriots, probably, really? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, um, I was only because of the whole dynasty to empire. I was just kind of over them, very over them. I'm I'm glad to see their current situation, but I was I was pretty much over them by that last Super. I was over it. So I I would I might would cheer for the Cowboys over the Patriots. I can see that. I think that's a little nuts, but hey, more power to you. <laughs> you know, that was your team, so you know, I, I I understand, but yeah, it's I I, I just couldn't see myself pulling for the Cowboys. So, but then I also answered that question by saying, "Well, that's a hypothetical, and I and that's something that I would never have to even worry about." So, I'm not going <laughs> to answer that question because <laughs> we know Dallas will never. Be in the Super Bowl again in my lifetime, so not in my lifetime either. <laughs> exactly, so no, I don't deal in hypotheticals. Well, that was good sports <laughs> talk. <laughs> yes, yes. Are you ready to uh, recommendation this thing out? Uh, today, as we record, is February first, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty three, the first day of Black History Month. And so I recommend that everyone plan on going to at least one Black History celebration, festival, program, something, so that you can get some knowledge. Know that Black history is part of American history, and it shouldn't even be divided in the first place, because everything that happens in Black history is part of the American fabric. It's part of America. It's the total story of who we are as a country. And so... Make it a point of celebrating Black history this year. Go to a program, go to some sort of a production, learn about the people who are not just the people that you know about. Because there's more Black history other than Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., other than Malcolm X, other than Rosa Parks, other than uh, George Washington Carver. There are many, 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 many more Black people that have been key contributors to this society than just those people. So my recommendation is that 
all of our listeners make it a point to learn something about the darker side of America. Awesome. Yeah, great. Mine's a lot lighter than that. <laughs> I feel a little <laughs> inadequate following you up. Um, but if you have HBO Max, go check out The Last of Us on HBO Max. Mm, it's a, not very uh, good stuff about this show. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a video game way back when. It's one of my all-time favorites, and they turned it into a mo- uh, TV show because the story – it was like a groundbreaking revolutionary video game when it came out because the story was so well-developed, and they put so much emphasis on it. It wasn't just, hey, go kill this and do that. It was a very narrative-driven game. And it definitely has enough source to become a TV show. So there's three episodes out so far. I've seen all three of them, and it is phenomenal. Um, very much recommend people check that out. If uh, the kind of whole uh, horror, apocalypse, survival genre is kind of your thing, um, you'll definitely really enjoy it. It's very, very good. I know. Right yeah. On. Well, folks, if you... Don't like the sports talk. You got a nice, light, little 45-minute episode today. <laughs> and, if you, and if you do like the sports talk, I think we're pushing our longest episode yet. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're getting there. 144 and counting. So we'll wrap it up, folks. We appreciate you listening, as always. As always, uh, share the show. Uh, share the message with someone else and, and make sure that you have other people that want to join us in the Wait What Nation. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at WaitWhatPod22. And uh, Damien, if there's nothing else. Then I guess we will chit-chat next week or I'll probably call or text you something random another day. Right on. All right, folks. We're out of here. Bye. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly. <laughs>